at Tyrant, we organize webinars that we are pleased to share on our podcast channel and on our website www.tyrant.com. The following webinar was jointly organized with Apex on the 1st of July 2020 and was entitled Why you should consider Luxembourg for your fund project. This webinar was targeted at managers and investors in the Middle East and India and explored the different options Luxembourg has to offer as a jurisdiction. It was presented by Rodrigo Delcourt, partner at Tarrant and Medona, Florence Tenier, partner at Tarrant and Medona, Emmanuel Entranger, consul and head of Dubai office at Tarrant and Medona, Craig Roberts, regional managing director, Mina at Apex, and Glyn Gibbs, head of business development, Mina at Apex. Uh, where you are joining us from, Um, and uh, thank you very much for making the, the time today for this uh, webinar, which will uh, hopefully give you some valuable uh, insight into what uh, Luxembourg has to, um, to offer. Uh, from a housekeeping point of view, please feel free uh, to uh, put uh, your question in the chat box, uh, which you should find uh, uh, on, on, on your screen. And uh, depending uh, on the question and on the time, uh, we will try to address it with the panelists or uh, address it uh, at a later stage you get, or if it is a more uh, you know, technical question, get back to you uh, at a, less, a later stage. We do have a presentation uh, with some slides which will also be sent to you together with the recording of this uh, session uh, in, in the next uh, days or so. So uh, feel free uh, uh, to, to, to raise your voice if you have any, anything to say. Uh, to talk you through this uh, Luxembourg offering, we have decided to um, tackle it from two points of view, from a legal and regulatory point of view with representatives from uh, Arendt and uh, also uh, to look at it from a more practical point of view for which we have a representative from APEX uh, with us. Uh, for those who, who, who might know, know it, Apex is a, a global financial service provider, uh, which uh, I believe has its main operation now in Luxembourg. And it, they are offering uh, all types of services uh, to, to funds, uh, including depository, uh, management company, um, and so on. Uh, to join us, uh, joining us sorry, from Apex today, we have uh, Craig uh, Roberts, who's the uh, regional managing director uh, for MENA and uh, Glyn Gibbs, who is the Head of Business Development for MENA uh, too. And I believe, gentlemen, you should be on the phone. Um, and then from uh, Arendt, Arendt side, Arendt de Middenach, uh, for those who might not know, uh, we're Luxembourg's leading uh, independent uh, legal tax and business uh, services firm. Uh, we have about uh, 800, more than 800 professionals in Luxembourg, and we do advise around uh, 35% of all uh, Luxembourg domiciled funds. Uh, and we're also the uh, only uh, law firm uh, established uh, with an establishment in the region here in the, in the office in Dubai. Today, uh, to uh, help us dive into the Luxembourg uh, structures, we have uh, Florence Tenier, who's a partner with Arendt uh, in Luxembourg and is uh, specializing in all legal and uh, regulatory matters uh, related to, to, to funds and management entities with a uh, Uh, especially uh, or a specialty, I would say, in usage and, and uh, usage hedge funds and, and ETFs. And we also have uh, Rodrigo Delcourt, 
is also a partner uh, with the firm in Luxembourg and focuses more on, on private equity, real estate, uh, renewable energy, infrastructure, and private debt funds. So um, why Luxembourg? <laughs> well, um, and I think we can turn uh, yeah, to the next slide, thank you. Uh, Luxembourg through its uh, stable social and political environment and uh, of course its AAA rating has over the last 30 years established itself as uh, being Europe. Europe's largest fund domicile, but also the second largest fund domicile uh, worldwide. And uh, that doesn't just mean that Luxembourg is catering for the European market, because Luxembourg funds are indeed uh, distributed in 73 countries. And I think being here in the Middle East, uh, we realize that most of the funds are sold um, in the UAE, registered with the local um, regulator, same being true in, in Bahrain, are uh, Luxembourg-based funds. Uh, the success story has started with UCITS, which is the uh, heavily regulated uh, funds that are targeted to uh, more, I would say, retail in distribution, at least uh, originally. Uh, however, over the last uh, five to uh, eight years, we've seen also quite a, um, a boom in uh, unregulated or lightly regulated uh, structures. Um, and that's the next slide. <laughs> And it's uh, really one, that's really the message we want to, uh, to pass to you today. Uh, Luxembourg is more than, than usage. There is a whole toolbox we have in Luxembourg. And uh, we should be able, with that toolbox, to cater for any of your uh, needs and for any uh, of the structures you might need to, for, for your projects. So I think without uh, losing more time, uh, let's dive into, into the Luxembourg toolbox. Um, which you can see here, <laughs> and, uh, and maybe start with you, Florence, uh, and uh, let's start with the more traditional uh, usage. Who still needs a usage today, you would say? From my side to, to sorry, um, do you hear me? Yes. Yes, okay, sorry, I saw I was on YouTube. Uh, I said um, very good uh, morning uh, to everyone and welcome to this uh, webinar. So we will indeed start with the uh, more regulated type of vehicle, I would say, and probably the older uh, we have in, in the toolbox. Um, before um, uh, entering to your specific question, why and who would need uh, a usage fund, it's probably uh, worth um, at least um, um, giving a little bit of um, update as to what are the main features of, uh, of the usage. Uh, obviously, to, you mentioned it, it's an EU vehicle, meaning that it needs to comply with some EU rules and uh, regulation. Um, as a consequence thereof, uh, it does need to comply with a high level of uh, regulation with strict rules in terms of investment restrictions, in terms of asset eligibility, in terms of the need to appoint some kind of uh, service uh, providers, all being based in, in, in Luxembourg or in the EU. As you mentioned, uh, this vehicle is mainly available for retail investors, but not only. We do see a lot of institutional investors which still see the need to be invested and exposed to such kind of very regulated uh, vehicle because um, they, they need for their own uh, internal or regulatory reason to be invested in something highly regulated. That vehicle provides for the possibility to create sub-funds and classes of shares. 
And I would say that uh, probably the, the, the more important uh, driver and key benefit of that vehicle, which is the counterpart of the highly regulated status of the vehicle, is the fact that it does benefit from a marketing passport. Marketing passport in the EU uh, countries, meaning that as soon as USIT has been created in one of the EU countries, it does benefit uh, from a kind of mutual recognition being able to be sold in any of the other EU countries on a quasi-automatic uh, way with no, um, no uh, additional burden. And over years, um, you, you mentioned it, Emmanuel, it's not only uh, a mutual recognition in the EU, but also um, strong recognition of that vehicle beyond the EU all over the world, where we see that in, in many countries, in many regions, USITs are really uh, the main um, type of vehicles being registered in these countries. So why uh, would you use, uh, why would you need uh, USIT? since we have seen that in the meantime, uh, the toolbox has evolved. I believe it, it really goes to the assessment as to the type of investment vehicle which is needed for a structure. And the first starting point is probably to look at the type of investors which are targeted. And hopefully, as soon uh, as uh, some retail investors need to be targeted, uh, this is probably uh, the vehicle of choice uh, because uh, we have some uh, other vehicles which might tackle a certain type of retail investors, but probably wealthy investors and not indeed uh, the man of the street. So this is really the retail type uh, vehicle which can be used, but not only for retail investors. Probably, so first starting point, type of investor which are targeted is really uh, the key point. And having um, identified uh, that there was need to tackle a certain type of audience, uh, there is a need, of course, to ensure that uh, the USIT framework and the USIT level of regulation is suitable for the type of project uh, to be built. And obviously, it would not necessarily be suitable for any kind of uh, investment, since, as I mentioned, uh, there is a quite, uh, quite a strict level of regulation. It needs to be um, in line with the eligible investment should you wish to create a real estate type of fund, infrastructure type of fund, private equity type of fund, the usage would not be suitable. So usage would probably be more appropriate for transferable securities, fixed income, liquid type of strategies, liquid type of assets. And of course, one of the key points also in a, in a decision tree is to know whether there would be a capacity to ensure a diversification principle, uh, which is also one of the key features of the vehicle. So I would say um, there is still a need for usage, which is mainly driven by the targeted audience, by the need to benefit from a marketing passport in the EU and beyond the EU. And it is really based on the mutual recognition that that vehicle uh, can offer. Um, and this being said, um, I believe it would be uh, of interest uh, coming from the theory to the practice um, to get the views um, of, of, of APEX, which is indeed uh, on the ground uh, with Glenn, um, uh, maybe to, to comment as to which kind of structure you have seen uh, being created in the region uh, uh, from, a, from a usage perspective. 
in the the history of Luxembourg and the region uh, goes back many years. And I guess in that regard, the uh, the Pathfinder uh, was actually a Saudi Arabian entity, uh, Sedco, uh, Sedco Capital, which uh, was set up by a family office uh, to manage its uh, assets and uh, decided, well, we can actually make a business of this. And they decided to do it in the first instance uh, by launching a uh, series of funds in Europe. Uh, they looked very carefully at the uh, two leading domiciles in Europe, Ireland and Luxembourg, uh, and they opted uh, for uh, Luxembourg uh, at the very beginning uh, on the basis they, they just thought that there was a little bit of extra uh, comfort uh, and regulation that uh, investors would benefit from at that stage. Um, and they went on to launch uh, quite a number of funds. And I, I, I do believe they were the first uh, manager really to, to, to use Luxembourg as a domicile. Um, and also that led to the uh, memorandum of understanding uh, between Luxembourg and, and Saudi Arabia, which was then subsequently replicated uh, with the UAE, with the uh, uh, two offshore uh, service centers that we have here. So they were then followed uh, by uh, Emirates uh, NBD uh, Asset Management. Uh, they had uh, established many, many years ago a, a family of funds uh, in Jersey. Uh, but in terms of, of recognition um, uh, around the world and in terms of uh, ENBD's uh, own uh, ambitions uh, in terms of how they wanted to distribute back to going back to uh, France's uh, point um, is that they, they didn't think Jersey uh, gave that level of confidence and so uh, they took the decision uh, and they uh, migrated uh, many funds over uh, from a Jersey uh, background uh, into uh, into um, uh, Luxembourg uh, and, and those funds are still uh, active and being distributed today. A third example I, I would um, uh, highlight uh, is uh, Abu Dhabi Commercial Bank um, where they had uh, a series of funds that were UAE domiciled um, but determined that again they wanted to widen the attractiveness uh, of those funds uh, because whilst they were fine for distribution within the UAE, um, you know, they didn't gain much traction if you wanted to go a little bit wider than that. Uh, so again, they elected to uh, establish uh, feeder funds uh, and structures or, or actually make the main fund uh, in Luxembourg with the UAE funds enacted as feeders. Um, and uh, you know, they've had great success uh, since making that decision uh, in terms of uh, growing the, the assets uh, within uh, those funds. So there, there's some historic examples. Uh, what we are seeing now, uh, and, and bringing this uh, much more up to date, uh, is, is continuing demand. And my own experience has been certainly the last uh, 12 to 18 months, I've been seeing more inquiries relating to uh, Luxembourg uh, and Luxembourg funds uh, than, uh, than previously on average. Um, and, and that was been driven by a variety uh, of managers. Um, and uh, one in particular I'm, I'm thinking of now that's due to launch later this year. Uh, again, they're going to be uh, distributing uh, into the uh, retail sector uh, of uh, one of the GCC uh, countries. Um, uh, but they'd already had uh, feedback from a number of uh, 
uh, investors again they wanted something with uh, better regulation uh, and indeed once again to fit with their ambitions in terms of where they want to to market these funds um, they uh, opted to uh, that they'd launch them in uh, as usage uh, vehicles in Luxembourg uh, and uh, hopefully before the end of this year we'll, they'll be launching four uh, such uh, structures um, that have a variety of uh, strategies. I guess the final example, uh, and again, I had a number of queries, uh, is this, and again, it just shows the flexibility of what is available within Luxembourg itself, uh, Islamic uh, type funds. Now, why would somebody want to launch uh, an Islamic fund uh, out of the uh, GCC manager launching an Islamic fund uh, into uh, out of Luxembourg um, and the answer is is that there is uh, so much demand outside of this region uh, for uh, Islamic structures particularly out of Asia uh, when you think of uh, Muslim countries such as uh, Malaysia uh, Indonesia uh, even India uh, where um, you know they want a, a Sharia type uh, fund that complies with Sharia law, uh, but again, you know they don't necessarily recognise or have the a required degree of familiarity uh, with uh, locally domiciled uh, funds, and therefore, once again, uh, the fact that Luxembourg has a global uh, reputation, has the uses uh, code, uh, makes it a very, very attractive uh, proposition. Uh, and again, it has the necessary brand recognition that, you know, if you go to a Malaysian insurance company, um, they uh, immediately say, yeah, we recognize that, the structure is good, okay, what's your strategy returns? It just makes the conversation easier, whereas otherwise you, you simply just through so really, yeah, those are uh, the definite uh, examples. So back to you, Emmanuel. Thank you, Glyn. Uh, maybe just to add my two pennies, um, what is important to say also is that if you do set up a Luxembourg fund, it doesn't mean that you have to invest in Luxembourg or in Europe. Uh, very often we see uh, promoters uh, here in the region who do use a Luxembourg fund uh, to reinvest in this region and distribute to uh, investors in this region. So it's, it's just a mean to, to give some uh, investor comfort we find very often. So now that we know everything about UCITS, maybe we'll uh, turn to the uh, uh, to the other end of the of the spectrum, if I can say so. And, and Rodrigo, uh, maybe you can give us uh, uh, an overview of how you can structure uh, private equity or, or real estate type of funds in Luxembourg, and maybe also um, uh, managers uh, in in the GCC in India are, are very familiar with uh, GPLP structures like they have in in Cayman. And maybe if you could also uh, give us uh, some insight as to what Luxembourg has to offer on on that front. Yes, okay, and thank you very much, uh, Emmanuel, and good morning, everybody. Um, indeed, um, Luxembourg has a, a pretty extensive toolbox, um, as uh, you can see in the, in the slides. Basically, um, uh, the, the toolbox that has evolved uh, over the years uh, in Luxembourg, uh, beginning with the USIT, where Luxembourg started as a USIT jurisdiction, um, today covers really the, uh, the, the whole uh, range of uh, products and all types of strategies. And basically, um, 
This toolbox um, allows the structuring of alternative funds, be them uh, real estate, uh, private equity in the widest sense, including uh, renewable energy, uh, infrastructure, uh, debt, um, in, a, in a very flexible manner. Basically, we, um, we, we can uh, cover um, the vehicles which are uh, less regulated and allow for greater flexibility um, with certain constraints uh, in, in, in contrast, uh, going all the way through vehicles which are more regulated, subject to supervision of the regulators, uh, but then uh, also less flexible, uh, but also allowing a certain a number of advantages. So. Basically, uh, uh, managers in the region would definitely uh, find structures uh, which are uh, similar uh, to those used in other jurisdictions, such as uh, Cayman, for instance, um, and, and definitely suitable for their needs. And um, without um, going too deep on acronyms and so on, let's uh, try to, 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 to give the, the, the big picture on that. Um, we, we typically structure the vehicles applying uh, the system of layers, a little bit similar to the one well known by, by those uh, practicing alpinism or skiing or mountaineering where we, we, we top layers of, of, uh, of clothes uh, one um, uh, above the other. So we, 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 uh, we would apply layers to examine what, what is the most suitable um, vehicle or type of structure for, for your needs. Um, we will firstly uh, typically determine whether we need a regulated or an unregulated vehicle and whether we need a regulated manager uh, for the fund, uh, regulated in the meaning of the European Directive uh, in relation to Alternative Investment Fund Managers, an AAFM. Um, we, we then determine the legal form of the vehicle. In Luxembourg, we can structure funds as corporate type of funds, contractual type of funds, the so-called mutual funds or FCPs, or partnerships such as uh, uh, those uh, well-known in use in, in certain offshore jurisdictions. And then uh, we, um, we, we um, establish the legal regime which is uh, to be applicable to, to the vehicle. Uh, in, uh, um, when you talk about private equity, uh, we have a particular and very specific uh, legal framework um, which uh, deals with investments in risk capital and uh, which allows for a very favorable tax regime, exempting the um, uh, income from uh, risk capital investments from any sort of taxation. So this is a specific legal framework and uh, the fund has to be structured according to those specific requirements. Uh, for real estate investments, uh, in contrast, we don't have today the regime that allows for such tax uh, exemption in the same way as the uh, uh, so-called CCARs, those uh, risk capital investments. Uh, this being said, uh, Luxembourg structures can reach a tax neutrality at the level of the fund and at the level of its intermediary vehicles by taking advantage of the, the widest network uh, of double tax treaties and also by um, using a, um, a wide combination of financial structures when uh, structuring the, um, the capital flow downstream and in upwards. So typically the right structure will depend on a few questions. So what are the investor needs? Uh, are they tax exempt, such as sovereign funds, pension funds, or are they taxpayers, such as family offices, high net wealth individuals, certain institutional investors? 
what type of underlying assets and strategies are you looking at? Are we talking about private equity, uh, real estate? Is it a, a core strategy or buy and hold? Are we talking about a more, um, more aggressive strategy, uh, developing something on an opportunistic basis without income flow, but other um, capital uh, crystallization at the end? Uh, where will the vehicle be distribu distributed or sold? Uh, do we need a European marketing passport, or would we uh, simply uh, uh, be, uh, be, be, be looking at a, a non-European private placement regime for, for the distribution? And, and finally, what is the level of substance and license that the, uh, the manager and its group uh, possesses, and uh, um, what would ben, then be the need for additional support um, here uh, in Europe in order to, to, to structure the vehicle? So, a lot of questions. Those questions uh, allow then us to, 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 write, uh, to, to find the right structure, the right setup for, for, for the vehicle. Now, this is a, really a, a paintbrush and, uh, um, on a high-level basis. Maybe um, on a more uh, concrete site, um, I can uh, throw the ball to, to Craig. Um, um, and uh, maybe um, with a few thoughts on what do you see in, in, um, in the region, more specifically in the alternative side, private equity, real estate. So how, how Apex is seeing uh, um, all these structuring points that I just mentioned. Thank you, Rodrigo. Um, yeah, first of all, thanks again for the opportunity to present today. Um, Apex, I think, is well-placed to partner with Arendt on this, uh, on this webinar and the fact that we do have a global presence. So we've got a very good ability to compare and contrast a uh, variety of jurisdictions where we're, where we're located around the world in 40 offices and seeing the different structures, what work in certain, for certain managers and certain investors in certain jurisdictions and what work for others in other jurisdictions. And then, you know, through our experience, uh, you know, Luxembourg ticks all the boxes. Um, you know, you'd never ever have a have a problem explaining the Luxembourg structure to your investor, to to your 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 target market, what you want to do. And that's probably one of the things that I think attracts a lot of the managers that we work with to Luxembourg is the fact that it's uh, this badge and this uh, this reputation that it has got. But that comes with it with you know some sort of. Uh, uh, concessions that have to be made. For example, as Rodrigo's mentioned about certain substance requirements, or as Florence mentioned earlier, maybe some diversification. And in, in some cases, that doesn't really work well for, for the managers. But there are options within the toolbox. And what we see from the private equity and real estate managers in the GCC and in India is that you know the, the ability to choose a RAIF or a SIF um, yeah, worked very well for them. It doesn't have the same advantages of distribution as the USIP structure, but it certainly has the flexibility to accommodate the asset class that they are looking to, to invest into, and importantly, be able to be distributed to their target market. So we've seen, you know, one of the questions that Rodrigo raised, and one of the things that I think has to, has to be at the forefront of any, any manager considering Luxembourg, is where are you going to distribute this fund? If you have a distribution network and a target in place which, which relies on a Luxembourg or a European structure, then it's absolutely a fantastic choice for you to make. If you have not got that, um, that network or that distribution plan in your mind or have access to it, 
The Luxembourg product will still work, but it won't just work just as a badge. You need to, you need to understand where you're going to, to, to take this product and where your investors will come from. And uh, yeah, there's a very important consi uh, consideration that needs to, needs to be faced. But coming back, yes, we are seeing that the, the ability of the RAFE and the SIFs to, uh, to allow our managers here in the region and certainly in India to um, access the European market and the European product has been a very flexible um, a very flexible way of, of them uh, tapping into to, to the advantages of operating from, from Luxembourg. The, uh, the provision of service providers and certain assessments are, made, are all readily available. They're all common to, to most of these managers. They're very comfortable with the with structure and comfortable with the target market and the types of investors coming through. So it's, a, it's certainly something that, um, that we've seen is, is taking a lot of interest and it's a very effective way of our managers uh, creating their funds and uh, their funds and structures. Um, yeah, on top of that, you know, they can place them, insulate them with uh, with feeders for more global distribution if they need to. They can uh, they have less restrictions on their strategies, so that they can they can operate in their local market. So they can invest into the GCC through certain things, or they can invest outside in India or, or wherever. And you know, the tax treaty advantages that are there are, are fully available to them. Um, as I said, it's the it's the race. Uh, that, are, that are one of the, uh, the important new developments that we're seeing. And, um, you know, we find that, as I said, it's, it's cost-effective, very simple. It's almost, you know, you know, very, very straightforward. There's not a lot of, uh, lot of uh, ancillary service provider parts, which tends to increase the cost of, of certain use structures. And we see several managers, I mean, uh, doing that. They're looking to access the European private banks. They're looking to access the insurance companies. Uh, not so much, it's not, not designed for retail investors. These are still designed for your well-informed, sophisticated investor. And they have their, yeah, they may have a branch network in Europe or they may have um, uh, yeah, just already existing placement arrangements that are there that, 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 that take us through. The RAFE, and SIF are available to and different products. We've got the GPLP, we have your, your, your limited by share companies. We, we have a variety of, of units that can be, can, be, uh, can be structured for that. So again, that allows, um, uh, again, that we allows that, uh, you know, certain, that the, all certain asset classes and, and strategies can, can be taken account of. And uh, last Thursday, I was, I benefited from uh, witnessing Rodrigo again on another pre webinar presentation, for example, on the open-ended real estate funds. Now, that's uh, another, I haven't seen anyone here in the region taking advantage of that, but it's a, a development which shows the flexibility that Luxembourg can provide, and it happens to allow um, you know, these managers with a certain constraint. They want to provide liquidity to investors. They want to provide comfort that their investors are able to invest into, into a, a structure and Luxembourg will give them that comfort, but they've also have to structure it to give this liquidity and have oversight and uh, certain aspects of it, which you know, makes their structure a lot more attractive and stands out to the whole thing. So um, I think they'll, they'll, they'll do for me, but um, yeah, no, Luxembourg is definitely a very great, good alternative. You, as I said, we see it from so many different jurisdictions that we deal with at Apex as a group, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly something that uh, you know you, you will it does bear consideration, and there's a lot of questions to answer, but uh, it's well worth taking the time to answer those.
Thank you, Emmanuel. Thanks, Craig. Um, you were talking about uh, requirements for Luxembourg, uh, and maybe Florence, you can tell us what um, whether the portfolio managers need to be uh, uh, regulated to, to manage uh, Luxembourg structures, and, and is that the case for all the structures, or maybe you can uh, provide a, some input with a, with a highlight here on, on, on the region, on India. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, we, we, we have mentioned the fact that depending on the type of, um, of investment funds, uh, there would be a need to have some service providers located in Luxembourg, which is part of the level of regulation, which is um, tackled to that uh, type of vehicles. But it is indeed a key point to note um, that in terms of portfolio management, so the management of the portfolio of these funds, there is an ability to delegate that portfolio management back to the initiator or back to the region where uh, investments uh, are done, uh, which is, of course, uh, one of the key elements on, on the structuring aspect of these funds. The only condition uh, when uh, delegating uh, that portfolio management is um, the fact that for regulated vehicles, which are subject to the Luxembourg regulator approval, that would need to be approved, subject to an application which is uh, rather simple, I would say, and which consists merely in the transmission of some documents which do evidence the competence of that portfolio manager depending on the investment strategy, but of course also the fact that uh, this uh, portfolio manager is regulated and duly supervised. There is one additional condition where the portfolio manager is not located in an EU country, beyond the need to evidence the supervision and the ability to manage the type of assets under consideration, there is also a need that there would exist a mutual cooperation between the Luxembourg regulator, the CSSF, and the local regulator where the portfolio manager is located. And this is usually evidenced by uh, the uh, entering into what we call the memorandum of understanding between the Luxembourg regulator and the local regulator. And there is a long list of all these memorandum of understanding which have been entered into by uh, the Luxembourg regulator, and to some extent also by the EU regulator, which has entered into a certain number of agreements with local regulator for alternative investment funds. So as soon as that mutual recognition, mutual cooperation does exist, there is an ability to appoint that local manager. Now there is a question which was raised for some countries like Saudi, like India, where currently there is no memorandum of understanding, which may mean at first sight that there would not be a possibility to delegate portfolio management to local portfolio manager. But based on some informal discussion uh, we got with our regulator, we can say that uh, this would then consist in a case-by-case -case basis review. And our regulator seems to be keen to consider that there might be other ways to implement mutual cooperation, mutual exchange of information, despite the fact that there would not be a memorandum of understanding. So I would say having a memorandum of understanding is probably rendering uh, the appointment um, easier but should there not be uh, such a MOU, it should not be an obstacle, and uh, we would advise to enter into a discussion 
with the Luxembourg regulator to see whether they would be ready to recognize uh, that uh, appointment of a local portfolio manager in these conditions. Thanks, Florence. And talking about regulation, um, Rodrigo, maybe one for you. Uh, do all the funds need to be regulated in Luxembourg? And I think you, you, you've touched on it uh, before. Um, can you go from an unregulated to a regulated fund? Can you downgrade a fund? Okay. Well, um, not all funds are regulated. Not all funds have to be uh, regulated. But just to, to address this, um, this uh, second part of your question, uh, I would firstly say that uh, depending on the contemplated project, um, it may well be that um, the fund has to be structured as a regulated fund. For instance, if you have compelling reasons to set up a fund um, because of the uh, investors' needs, there are certain type of investors, uh, certain pension funds or, or insurance companies that have their own internal regulations, um, so that in order to, for, for the underlying funds to be eligible for their purposes, the fund has to be regulated. So in this respect, uh, we, we are bound by that. And Sometimes, depending on the type of assets we are, we are um, going to, uh, to, to target, um, the, uh, the fund has to have a regulated shape. For instance, uh, if, you, if you acquire real estate properties in France, basically uh, you, you need a specific um, regulated vehicle in order to take advantage of a, um, a more specific tax treatment in France, a reduced um, uh, withholding tax. But uh, at the same time, it is very possible to start the vehicle as an unregulated um, uh, setup, uh, or at least slightly regulated, uh, what we call the uh, the, uh, the, the, the registered AIFM. So uh, appointing not a, um, an authorized AIFM, but a, a registered, lightly regulated AIFM. And then um, uh, reserving the possibility to upgrade the, uh, the vehicle later on. This is the case, for instance, where the manager is setting up its first vintage of a fund and then um, it's still raising capital but starts uh, relatively small and then aiming at growing the assets and the management at the second stage, so without spending too much um, uh, on organization and operating costs up front, basically uh, starting on a smaller structure. So it is possible to upgrade. The, um, the thing that it has to be kept in mind is that um, uh, going to a smaller unregulated setup comes with uh, certain constraints, uh, in particular in terms of distribution. As um, um, Craig and I were, were talking earlier, if we're going to sell it uh, in Europe, you need a marketing passport. And in this respect, um, a marketing passport uh, for usage, you need the regulated, uh, of course, label, but for alternatives, um, you need to have an authorized AFM. So this is the kind of consideration we have to keep in mind. But yes, it's possible to upgrade at, uh, uh, at a second stage. It is also possible to uh, deregister and to uh, deregulate the fund or to transform it from one legal form to another. So depending on where uh, the fund started, you can potentially um, contemplate to switch the fund from a regulated fund to a non-regulated. But this is much more complicated and complex because um, this means that we are somehow taking out some uh, features of protection of investors. 
Um, and in this respect, uh, we would have to have all the investors on board, or at least having a sort of package agreed where um, the investors approve uh, either on the, um, the, 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 the registration and transformation or on a reasonable exit um, uh, for the fund. And the regulators will be very keen to make sure that this is being agreed by our investors. Thank you, Rodrigo. Um, so. If you now know what kind of product uh, you want to set up, if you know what your uh, investor base is and what your target investments are, uh, Glyn, maybe you can tell us, you know, what's next? <laughs> what kind of service providers do we need to set up a Luxembourg and to service a Luxembourg uh, structure? Are there any turnkey uh, uh, type of solution or do you really need to, to start from scratch? Um, what can you tell us about that? Okay, so there are a variety of roles that are uh, required when uh, handling or, or establishing a, a Luxembourg fund. Uh, some apply more than others, depending on the structure of the fund. Is it regulated, unregulated, so on and so forth. Uh, but if we just run through uh, each of the uh, the main ones, so at the very top of the uh, tree, the pinnacle, uh, is the management company. Um, so the management company has uh, oversight responsibility, is a manager of the fund, um, and uh, therefore accountable uh, to investors. Uh, they themselves are subject to, if it's a, a local management company, they themselves are obviously subject to regulation uh, by the CSSF um, and uh, accountable to the CSSF uh, for uh, all, all their actions. Now, uh, below them sits the depository. Uh, now, you know, the depository's role is, again, to oversee uh, that the fund is actually doing what it says it is doing, um, and it is the depository that generally links into the custodial role um, uh, and checks with the custodian. Uh, you then have the administrator, uh, which is common uh, to most fund structures around the world. Um, it's an outsource uh, requirement, and the administrator will be taking care of investor services, uh, accounting, uh, preparation of financial statements, and generally undertakes uh, other types of reporting, uh, let's say uh, common reporting standards, FATCA, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and then finally, you need the banks. Obviously, everything needs a bank with the cash to transfer through, uh, which again, no, no different from any of the fund around the world. Uh, and finally, uh, an auditor uh, who is going to uh, be preparing the or signing off on the audited accounts. Um, and of course, yeah, in establishing the uh, fund, you need a law firm such as Arendt, uh, highly experienced in drafting the actual documentation required uh, for the fund, and also uh, highly experienced in dealings with the uh, CSSF, uh, as they'll be uh, picking through what the uh, offering document says and raising uh, questions. Um, having run through them uh, very generally, um, so are we saying that you know, if you're a manager who wants to launch uh, a, uh, a Luxembourg fundraise, you have to establish your own management company? Um, the answer is 
you don't have to. Uh, you can if you wish to, uh, but uh, for, the, for many people, uh, they will use a third-party uh, management company, uh, i.e. a management company that uh, has a platform uh, under which uh, funds can be launched. Um, therefore, that gives a benefit of scale, uh, reduces costs, increases efficiency, uh, because uh, the, uh, the master uh, fund document is uh, already uh, established at the top and therefore uh, it's just a supplement uh, under the uh, platform arrangement that is going to be submitted uh, for approval to the uh, CSSF uh, with the uh, manager uh, taking the role of uh, an advisor to the management company. Uh, so therefore you can still control the strategy, make the investment decisions or recommend the investment decisions uh, and then they will pass through the management company at the top uh, in terms of uh, the review and they have that responsibility. Um, the depository, some people are a little bit cynical about this and I must admit I uh, have had some experience where you know the depository is a, a does its job in name uh, rather than in practice um, and therefore in terms of when you're selecting a depository uh, you really need to be uh, asking them you know, how they enact their duties, uh, how they go about doing what they do, have they got the appropriate systems uh, to monitor uh, because I've heard um, stories of uh, board meetings being held and then the depository being asked questions and actually couldn't justify what they're doing. Um, so you do need to, to look at uh, their capabilities and expertise. Um, is there a one-stop solution? Um, yeah, Apex provide, can provide that. Um, so you can have a fully integrated uh, Manco depository administrator and even a bank, as uh, we happen to own a bank in Luxembourg as well. Um, and the reason the bank can actually be quite important is that uh, my experience, generally speaking, these days is banks don't want to be banks. Uh, they much prefer to be doing something else. And so therefore, it can be uh, sometimes difficult to get a bank account opened um, and unless there is uh, some form of pre-existing relationship. Um, so uh, having a in-house bank uh, goes a long way to, uh, to solving that problem. Uh, the uh, custodian role as well uh, will link into depository uh, and we can also provide that as well. So you, there are certainly turnkey one-stop solutions. What's the advantages to somebody using that? It's efficiency at the end of the day, efficiency on KYC, one set of KYC, uh, one generally point of contact um, that will be able to uh, deal with uh, the client when onboarding uh, and therefore just again helps to speed things along because as we all know uh, KYC can take some time so if we're able to uh, be efficient uh, in uh, undertaking that process uh, that's going to uh, be a big boost uh, as we get ready uh, as the advisor gets ready to uh, to launch the fund so uh, uh, that in a nutshell is uh, who the service providers are. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Glyn. Question of size is the question that comes up all the time, uh, <laughs> Rodrigo, and, and I believe we even have a, a question from uh, from the audience. Um, is there a minimum size for funds in Luxembourg? Uh, the specific question we had is about uh, a feeder entity. Does it make sense to set up a feeder entity for 100 million um, euro dollars, I guess? Um, over to you. What can you tell us about that? Yes, okay. 
Um, well, obviously, depending on the level of regulation and supervision re required at the level of the product or the manager, uh, the fund will have a lower or higher ongoing charge. And uh, um, the, uh, this charge will have a greater impact on strategies with low yield spreads, of course. And um, obviously, the largest, um, uh, the size of the fund, um, the more diluted will be the, uh, the fixed ongoing organization and operational costs uh, of the fund. So, um, and so the, 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 these costs are directly linked to what uh, was just explained in terms of um, uh, the setup, in terms of uh, service providers surrounding the fund, uh, the poster illustration managers, auditors, lawyers, and so on. So uh, is there a, a minimum size? Well, um, there, of course, there is no legal requirement. This is a pure uh, business plan type of question. Uh, but so we typically say that um, uh, for a regulated fund below uh, 50 or, or uh, between 50 and 100 million euro, um, it starts getting difficult to, to, to have a, um, a, um, a rentable uh, uh, strategy uh, for the fund, so a SIF or a CCAR, um, and likely a USIT, so I presume, um, with um, assets under management below this threshold, um, the uh, the underlying investments and the strategy has to be uh, really well um, uh, tied up with uh, maybe a, a, a higher level of leverage and so on to, uh, to, to be able to face those costs. Um, but then uh, everything uh, uh, beyond that starts getting um, uh, much, uh, uh, much um, uh, easier to uh, put in place. Now, maybe, um, um, uh, well, from a, um, for, for, from a more uh, operational perspective, um, uh, I can maybe ask uh, Glyn uh, to say a word about that. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, you, you guys see... Uh, um, as well, a number of, um, uh, of structures. So, uh, um, do you corroborate? Do you have other thoughts uh, in this respect? Um, we see all sorts of sizes um, in terms of uh, funds that come through. You're absolutely right. Clearly, the, the, the bigger the fund, the, uh, the more it can absorb costs and uh, indetermine its total expense ratio. Uh, but on the other hand, I have seen funds uh, launch in with about 5 million uh, euros. So, yeah, you can't really get much smaller than that. But, yeah, the reason that the, uh, the manager felt able to launch is they were very confident uh, in terms of uh, how they were going to to drive that forward in terms of uh, uh, the expansion uh, of the fund and, and for its prospects to grow. Um, I mean, I guess this takes us around to the question about, you know, is, is Luxembourg uh, expensive? Um, and frankly, um, the question is, well, Depend, or the answer is depends. Uh, if you're comparing it to the likes of uh, a fund launched out of uh, the Seychelles or Bahamas, uh, then yes, it is going to be expensive. But frankly, you're not comparing apples and apples. You're comparing apples with pears. Um, what you get with Luxembourg is in terms of uh, regulatory framework, asset protection, investor protections. Um, and, and therefore, that's what you need to compare it against. Um, 
And I can't think of a better example uh, than uh, a recent one, where uh, if you look at uh, cheaper domiciles, uh, Mauritius uh, would be would be one of them. Um, and hey, presto, in February, you know, Mauritius ends up on the FATF grey list, uh, which has resulted in many uh, global institutions no longer uh, wishing to uh, to invest through Mauritius uh, for that very reason. So yeah. Is Luxembourg expensive? Not really for, for, for what you get for the money, uh, in my opinion. Over to you, Emmanuel. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> and, and I think maybe just again to add, uh, to to add uh, something, there are, there are also some solutions in Luxembourg like, like platforms and, and stuff like that where with a small, uh, for a small fee and, and, and with uh, lower assets, you can probably test the market also and, and see if, uh, if uh, you know, usage funds or other funds or, or Luxembourg funds are, are, are for you. Um, I think that brings us probably... Uh, close to the sorry Rodrigo yeah I was just going to say indeed just comes uh, this comes to the, the other question you asked me uh, is it possible to upgrade and of course a number of structures start smaller with the uh, warehouses or warehouses or, or co-investment type of uh, structures and then upgrade a later stage once you have a, um, a higher number of investors and assets in the management this is Thank you. Um, so I think that brings us more or less to the uh, to the end of our uh, webinar. But before I let uh, the panelists go, I'd like uh, each of them in a in a minute or a minute of a half uh, to, uh, to 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 tell the the audience why Luxembourg. Summarize what you said before. Tell us something we don't know. But why why should we why should we consider Luxembourg? Okay. Shall uh, I go first, I Emmanuel? Yes, if you don't mind, Lynn. Okay, uh, two words, confidence, access. The confidence that Luxembourg gives to investors, uh, which can only help your distribution, which at the end of the day uh, is fundamental because you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't have distribution, um, then uh, you're not going to be uh, successful. Access as we talked earlier, it's the access it gives you not just to the European Union uh, as the passport through the EU, uh, but also, uh, as I stated earlier, to people such as in Asia, uh, where institutions uh, there look uh, for the comfort uh, of that regulation. So that's it from Thanks. me. Thanks, Glyn. Uh, Craig, as uh, concise as, as Glyn? <laughs> Yes, am I on? Oh, we can't hear you. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'm back, back, okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with Glenn, it's, as we, we made in the point, distribution is important, but um, yeah, for me, it's the reputation and the reliability of, of what you get. The regulator as well is uh, well-renowned. Um, it's setting standards globally every day, and the service providers and the counterparties that you act with in, in the Luxembourg are all very, very experienced, very well, very good reputation, totally available to you, and you, you, you can ensure that you don't make mistakes that have been made before. That you know, put your fund or your strategy or your uh, your fundraising at risk. It's a, it's definitely the quality standard to go for. Rodrigo, any different view? 
Um, no, not different. I, I certainly concur with that. Uh, I may add uh, two more words then. Um, I would say flexibility and uh, pragmatism. I think the, um, the, the, the fact that uh, we have such a wide toolbox with um, the, the, the number of options and the way how Luxembourg has evolved over time, over the years, to basically adjust the offer to the needs of the, um, of the managers, of the investors, um, and the fact that uh, we have legislators, regulators aligned with the industry so that uh, we have um, a, um, a, a combination of efforts that uh, uh, puts basically the needs of the industry in the center. This is pre pretty powerful and um, the, um, the, the, the conclusions that uh, we, we see basically the, uh, uh, the, the offers that uh, we, we have in the market. Thank you. Last but not least, Florence. You too. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And I will certainly echo what my colleagues uh, have said, but I believe maybe in the usage that's the question which is probably hard to answer uh, at first sight, because obviously uh, a Luxembourg usage should be very similar to, to an Irish usage, and there is probably no room for arbitrage in terms of regulation. But where we really see uh, the driver to use Luxembourg as a jurisdiction is really to capitalize and leverage on the expertise, I would say, because Luxembourg being a very small country, it has always been on the exporting side, if I can uh, say that, meaning that we have um, uh, built a, a very long uh, experience uh, in terms of distribution capacities, um, administration capacities of funds, meaning that by, by using Luxembourg as a jurisdiction, you, you also use a, a full ecosystem. And I can give one example, which is the fact that in Luxembourg, we are very used of building uh, funds with different subfunds, but also classes of shares, with the ability of implementing edging currencies, uh, mitigating the differences between different uh, classes with different edging currencies, but also getting additional access. So I would really say that this is that experience uh, which can be used and which is probably uh, evidenced by the fact that a um, vast majority of funds being registered for the time being in many regions like Asia, like Middle East, are all coming from Luxembourg, which is, which is a sign, and we do leverage, we do capitalize on that experience. And the last word to say that Luxembourg may also be a perfect fit if you need to implement a Shia compliant uh, structure, uh, because in Luxembourg we do not uh, only um, accept Shia compliant structure, but we do even promote them. And I would say that Luxembourg is probably the first non-Islamic jurisdiction um, to, in terms of number of Shia compliant funds, and whatever type of fund can certainly be built in a Shia-compliant uh, model, I would say. Thank you very much, Florence. Um, that leaves me with two minutes to say uh, to the people who have sent in some questions that we were not, un unfortunately, not able to address now that we will get back uh, in touch with them. I see some uh, email addresses and phone numbers uh, being circulated, so not to worry, we'll get back to you uh, in touch, if not today, uh, in the next uh, couple of days. Um, thank you very much to the panelists and to the audience. Uh, the uh, recording as well as the slides will be sent to you, uh, even if you have not asked the question. And um, I think that leaves, us, uh, leaves me at least to uh, wish you a, a very nice day.
Thank you for listening to this webinar. You can register for our next webinars on the event and training page of our website www.arent.com. Thank you.